Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, this is your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today. Um, all right, so I'm just going to be super honest with you. I hurt my back again. <laughs> I'm the worst chiropractor ever, ever. Like a year and a half ago, I when I started doing heavy weightlifting, um, combined with distance running, and I was trying to compete with this like high school Okay, she didn't know we were competing, to be fair. Uh, I had this high school dancer, and I used to be a dancer in high school, who told me that for practice, they do seven-minute planks. And they did, like, they do four minutes, then they rest for 30 seconds, and then they do three minutes. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it's because she's on the dance team that I thought, like, I should be able to do this also. So I started, like, aggressively planking. And poof, like a year and a half ago, I threw my back out for the first time. Um, and it, it kind of happened, I don't know, semi-consistently, like once every two or three months, um, I went and saw a chiropractor who really focuses on back stabilization because I had a bad experience with a PT before where they were like, mm, do you think that it's possible you're hurting yourself because you get adjusted too much. And I was like, girl, you don't know me. Um, so anyway, so, so I've actually been fantastic since, um, I don't know, like June or so. But this week there is so much stress coming to a head in my life because we are moving into our new practice uh, that we've been building, not like with my own hands, um, but like other people's hands, my money though. I mean, our money, Kirby, sorry. Um, so that's, that's fun. And everything they say about starting a, or building a house or a practice is true. It is, it is a, is a thing. Um, and so, yeah, I think the stress just cause I was not even planking or lifting, not even really running and just boop. Now seems like a great time to hurt your back when you're about to have to lift a bunch of boxes from one location to another. So anyways, I tell you that because if I slur my words or something a little bit, it's the flexor all. Um, and you know what? I'm just going to do a little side note for anybody right there who was like, wait, you got drugs? Okay, I did. I resisted for a very, very, very long time because mm, beat my chest here, peace sign. Pyros don't do drugs, um, but it would take me out of work for like a week and that was getting old. Um, so now I find that if I have to, when it starts to flare up, I will take a Flexerol and that tends to keep it to like a two or three day thing instead of one to two weeks. So us people, we just take the worst case care of ourselves. I swear. But that's not the point of today's episode. Um, so before we do that, let's do a listener highlight. This is from Mackenzie, who sent me a DM on Instagram and said, I'm on a freaking roll listening to your podcast, driving across I-90. Wisconsin would be so boring without your quirks and discussion to pass the time. I am a little quirky, but I'm, hope I'm hoping that you enjoyed yourself, your little drive from probably like, let's see, I-90, where does that go? Minneapolis to Madison, something like that. Also goes all the way through South Dakota. Holy cow, that is a boring drive. 
Um, so let's pray. And then I will read you today's question because we're going to be listening or we're going to be answering a question today that is going to address um, whiny patients. It's going to address getting rid of said whiny patients. But the most meaningful part of the conversation is going to be kind of establishing the boundaries. So you'll find out in a sec. Dear God, thanks for this time together. Um, thanks for this microphone and these people listening. And thanks for questions um, that I get from people like this doc. Uh, be with her as she gets this answer. Let her take what works for her and her situation. Let everybody listening take what works for them um, and not and dismiss what doesn't work and just kind of move on with their life and receive the messages that are right for them at that time as you so be it. Um, be with the patient that we're going to talk about and all said air quotes patients that pop into the doc's minds as they're listening. Um, we went into this profession from a loving place and so sometimes conversations like this especially when I'm leading them can seem like it's not coming from a good place. So you know our hearts, you know we did this for the right reasons and we will continue to do this for the right reasons. So bless our ears, bless our hearts, bless our mouths and communication. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so this question, it's a little long one, but I, I think it's important. To, you have all the information. So it says, hi, Dr. Lauren. To start, I've never been good at listening, audiobooks, talk shows, comedians, or podcasts because my brain likes to fixate on a single detail and then go on a rampant daydream. But I love to listen to your podcast while working on notes on the or the rare moments of downtime when I'm home. I've made it through almost all of them now. That being said, I was just wondering if you'd done an episode on toxic patients or how to let go of patients that are not good for you. The office I work in is primarily a walk-in clinic. He's not required appointments since opening 16 years ago, which is awesome for the patients, not awesome for me in this situation. I work mostly low force manual adjusting and muscle rehab, but I'm also full spine activator trained, so every so often I will get an activator patient. Most of them fit in very nice. I can adjust everyone manually or activator, usually in a 15 minute appointment slot. 30 if they're having muscle work done and they feel sufficiently cared for, except for one. This patient is not so affectionately named for HIPAA compliance as my high maintenance activator patient or HMAP in text. This patient just transplanted from California, not to be stereotypical, but they carry the Cali quick to sue vibe if something is not to their liking. Oof. Everybody from California just went, hey, that's not fair. <laughs> they have a very severe diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos to a point where their ligaments are basically dry rotted. Elastic bands currently recovering from an incident of internal mercury poisoning from their partner's ex gained 75 pounds in two months from said poisoning. A long history of physical abuse from a parent that I don't think has been dealt with and about a million other things I do not have room for. It is a miracle if I can get them in and out in under an hour and a half. Holy shit. Especially since their old Cairo and San Diego, quote, took the time to understand them. This is the lovely response I received when I tried to explain the fact that their appointments have been taking up three to four adjusting slots. They want very little aggregate. They want every little aggravation cured instantly, despite my explanations of letting the segments settle and avoid over-adjusting. Everything requires muscle checks, and most segments have to be adjusted prone, supine, seated, and standing before they will allow themselves to be done. I'd always, I always feel absolutely drained after their adjustments, physically, emotionally, and energetically. Now, after caring for them for two months, I've started to dread coming into the office at all. I'm waiting on pins and needles all day, wondering if they're coming in today or tomorrow or the weekend, especially since they come in 10 to 15 minutes before lunch or before close, fully knowing their appointments take forever and they can't take up too many adjusting slots if they're the last visit. I'm in a constant state of anxiety, fatigue, and now have a deep desire to quit chiropractor, chiropractic after only two years in practice. I know there was supposed to be a question framed in this, but I'm so exhausted that I don't know how to form it. Is there a way to let go without retaliation or am I stuck until I die? 
Thank you, Dr. Holland. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you're stuck. It's just going to be the rest of your life. You might as well quit, quit chiropractic. Um, no, no, of course you're not stuck, silly. Um, yes, you can let them go. Before I jump into the episode, though, I find it very important to remind everyone um, that I am not a lawyer. I don't know if you knew that. Not a lawyer. Honestly, like you heard in the beginning, I'm not even that great of a chiropractor. I'm sure I'm supposed to know some of these rules. I don't know if they differ state to state. I don't know if they've changed since the last time I looked. But um, there's a legal way in order to uh, break up with a patient. Okay. Now, legally, I'm pretty sure uh, that you need to give three different chiropractic referrals. So like write down the names of three different chiropractors and like their phone number and their address and like hand them that piece of paper. And then that piece of paper is supposed to be like fax center file. The reason I don't know the exact legal way in 2020 in your state that you're supposed to do this is because I've never had to break up with a patient. I typically make them break up with me. So we're going to get into that. Um, but before this is a bigger issue. And I think that everybody listening, if they've been in practice a while, can absolutely 100% relate. So I don't want you to take any shame or judgment um, that like you're doctoring wrong. This is a really, really common thing. When I mean, you're not new in practice. Um, so I'm not going to like patronize you there, but like this is a lesson you learn at some point, whether your first three months, six months or six years, um, you're going to you're going to learn it. So the reason that I make a bigger like deal out of trying to get them to break up with me is because it can be very simple to legally break up with them. You sit down, you say, um, you know, I'm not the right fit for your needs. I'm recommending any of these chiropractors. What can happen, especially in this situation where you're getting a vibe that this patient is um, retaliative worthy. That's totally a phrase. Um, likely to retaliate, maybe a more common way to say that, um, is when you break up with them, they feel rejected. When people feel rejected, they feel shame. When people feel shame, they want to avoid it and they look to blame or get angry at someone else for the reason that they're feeling shame, all on a subconscious level. So meaning that, Ugh, I don't know this patient, but like, it's gonna be really hard to not piss them off, even breaking up with them legally. So we're gonna talk about what I would do in a bit. But we are going to talk first about your boundaries, because before we can handle the who, the how, the what to do next, um, there are it, it kind of seems like you might have a little bit of boundaries that need to be worked out um, because this girlfriend is walking all over you and has been for a little bit. So when we think about boundaries, there's lots of different ways if you've read about them or listened to podcasts. Um, but there's, you know, there's what we consider healthy boundaries, and then there's unhealthy boundaries. Within healthy and unhealthy boundaries, there's what we'd call more rigid boundaries, or more porous boundaries. Now, how do I know this? Well, because yours truly also deals with boundary issues, major boundary issues, and I work with a therapist. So this is all from a trained person who knows about healthy boundaries. So somebody with rigid boundaries, um, these tend to be the very closed off people who don't want to um, attach to emotions, people, they don't want to ask for help. Um, they just really keep other people's at a distance because they don't want to be rejected. Now, your patient, oh, we're going to need to name her. Um, let's name her Sally. 
Now, Sally seems like she might just from like a lot of the abuse that you're talking about and the shit she's been through. I wouldn't be surprised if Sally has very rigid boundaries other places in life um, and tends to then overcompensate with her relationships with her doctors um, because she doesn't allow anyone else to support her. But for whatever reason, she can feel supported by a doctor. And so lucky you, you're getting all of the side effects of Sally having bad boundaries. Now, porous boundaries, these are boundaries um, where people tend to overshare personal information. You can't hurt me if I tell, you know, if I do this. Um, they have a problem saying no to the request. They tend to get over-involved with other people's problems. Um, they're really accepting of abuse. They also fear rejection um, if they do not comply with other people. And uh, they're very dependent on the opinions of others. So I have a feeling just from the amount of abuse that you've taken from this patient for a while that you might have some porous boundaries. I don't know. Um, and until you can start to sort out some of that work, we could get rid of Sally but Karen's going to come and then we could get rid of Karen, but then Jenny's going to like, you know, it's just every single opportunity with a patient for them to walk over your boundaries is going to happen. So a lot of us think about boundaries as like against people. And that's where I'm saying like, this is a bigger issue than just how to set boundaries with Sally, because if we just make it about Sally, you don't learn anything from the bigger picture. Um, but Glennon Doyle in her book Untamed talks about boundaries much more from a state of concepts or philosophies or beliefs. You know, you have boundaries around um, I, identity and ego and truth and like just values. That's much more. And when people cross one of your boundaries that's a value that's when the trigger happens but that person doesn't cross your boundaries they cross your values okay so we don't build walls against people we build them against um, things that don't conflict or that conflict with our values so when on an individual level there's lots of work that's been done on this because we have our physical boundaries um, you know people touching us I find that chiropractors we got terrible physical boundaries. I'm just like going around hugging people during COVID is not okay. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I forgot. Um, there's intellectual boundaries. There's emotional boundaries. There's sexual boundaries, um, material boundaries, and time boundaries. So those are all individual boundaries um, that my therapist says I need to work on. Now, from a doctor's standpoint, I believe that part of learning how to combine the compassion that we are compassion, yeah, the compassion and empathy and want to care for other people and combining that with our individual boundaries creates this whole new subset of our professional boundaries as a doctor. OK, um, because my emotional boundaries for my mother or my husband or my best friend are going to be very different than my emotional boundaries for a patient. So you may have really good individual boundaries, but you just haven't taken the time to figure out what your professional boundaries are. So some boundaries um, for your profession as a doctor is your time. Now, when it's a doctor, it's literally a clock. Like a lot of times when we're dealing with like your time as an individual, you know, it's like giving up a Saturday, you know, or things like that, giving up family time as a doctor, it's really clock oriented. Um, you know, you want to be the best doctor you can make, the most impact on people you can, but also you need to tether a financial worth 
to that. And that may change over time. Like, I'm not trying to say like 10 minutes should be worth $40 or anything like that. But when it does come down to um, the amount of time you're spending with a patient, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to the office. And it's also not fair to your other patients, you know, that she's getting all of this extra time. So another boundary that you need to determine is your services. As chiropractors, we can become a jack of all trades. Um, we've been taught a lot on a lot. We can give exercises. We can talk about nutrition. We can talk about exercise programs. Um, we can also, most of us, because of our woo-woo, are very quick to talk about spiritual healing, mental health, like we can talk about how food impacts mental health. We can talk about uncovering traumas, you know, because so if you're very familiar with like working with the nervous system, we talk about emotional traumas. So part of the problem of being a subluxation based doctor is that we go there willingly with our patients to make it more about pain. I literally did a podcast on this um, a couple episodes ago about learning how to see more patients is talking about emotional stress. So we willingly go there and open this door and drag them through like a lot of our patients came just for pain. And we're like, no, this is about more than this. This is about your birth that didn't go as you thought it would. Um, this is about the abuse that you've experienced and then we're like oh shit they want to talk to me about that abuse every every visit so that's where you really have to determine where that boundary is for me personally I couldn't imagine that boundary being too close well I have to talk to my patients about pain and trauma like that is a big message for me that they need to understand um, how the nervous system works. And I have a feeling you're in the same boat, but again, then you, from there, you realize like you opened, you opened the floodgates and you must have a boundary. Otherwise you pretty much told them and sold them that not only are you their chiropractor, you're their therapist and you're not. So emotionally, um, you should have boundaries with patients. Now, Again, your boundaries are going to be very different. I, um, you know, this is about dealing with relationship with your patient, about what you're willing to talk to them about, um, but how much of you you're allowing them to take and how emotionally involved in them, you're, in their pain, you're going to allow yourself to be. And so again, this is tricky because I will tell a patient on day two when I've already done all the like I've done the intake. I know about their anxiety. I know about their divorce. I know about their eating disorder and all the stuff. I know about their IBS. And then on day two and I'm like, OK, so we're going to do three times a week for four months. And they're like, well, what if we just see how it goes? And I go, absolutely not because I'm so invested already in you and I know that won't work. So I either need you to like choose to care about you and invest in you as much as I do at this point, or like I'm the one who is going to emotionally be disrupted. And I don't say all of that to them, but like that's where why I'm very clear. That's one of my boundaries. That's how it displays for me is on day two when I give a care plan very rarely is it ever, um, well, let's just see how it goes. Because I know emotionally, that's not going to work out for me. Um, lastly, intellectual is a big boundary that you need to be aware of. You know so much. And you might, you've probably forgotten so much. And you still know so much. Also, you as a doctor... You Googling the internet to give her recommendations is so much more powerful than just a layperson. So this kind of goes with the time of like, if she says, what do you know about this medication, this prescription, you might feel 
if you have poor boundaries, prone to going like, I don't know much about it, but you know what? Let me find the answer for you and I'll let you know next time. Now, again, I'm not here to say that you that shouldn't be your style. Um, for me, I had to do a check with my ego as to why I was letting, because that was happening a lot for me. <laughs> Shocker, emotionally was not a boundary that I really struggled with. Intellectually was a big issue for me because I wanted to be the person who knew it all for them. I wanted to have all the answers. And so for a long time, it resulted in me being like, well, I'll find out. And then it led to me doing research on medication and rehab exercises that I knew nothing about and watching YouTube videos. And like, again, there's a little bit of this that's totally okay. But there's some of this that is like, no, that's, um, that's, that's not okay. Or it wasn't okay for me, especially because it was not fi uh, filling me up. You know, a big way to know if a patient or someone in your life is crossing a boundary and it's in taking advantage of a core value of yours or a passion of yours is that it starts to pull from the gas tank. We, we went into this profession to care for people, to love on people, to heal people, to answer their questions. And if they're staying in the safety of the boundaries and parameters that we've put around how we're going to doctor them, it doesn't drain us or it shouldn't. It should fill us up. So that's kind of trigger number one is that you feel like a patient is draining you. That's a big thing that they are likely crossing one of the boundaries you may not even know, may not even know you had. Um, so when we talk about what to say with her, you know, we need to discuss whether you want to keep her if pop, like, do you, do you want her? Like, if we can clean up Sally, so she comes at certain, like specific times and is respectful of your boundaries, do you want to keep seeing her? Or is it just kind of like, this is a bad fit. I shouldn't have taken her from the beginning. Now, for those that don't know this, I will remind you that even though you may be desperate for new patients or desperate for money, I encourage you when you have that like ugh feeling from day one to cut it off there. Um, how we do that in our clinic is I, I call it giving patients a big old stiff arm Heisman. Um, so it is before I even get to the exam, I will, you know, like, so let's say I'm talking to a patient, I'm taking the intake. There's lots of different reasons I may. Um, if it's like a very easy, like, oh, I don't think you need chiropractic. I think you need like surgery or like something like that. That's, that's a different conversation. It's more the like, um, okay, so this guy has insulted me three or four times, or this woman has made statements like, well, I left, oh, they're a Cairo jumper. Well, we use that term in our clinic um, of like, they're a Cairo jumper where it's like, okay, have you been to a chiropractor before? And they're like, yep, I've been to that one. And he billed my insurance incorrectly. And he was scammy. And then this one barely spent any time with me. And then th like, it's like, oh, so those are red flags that if um, I think they tend to perceive chiropractors very poorly for things that I do in clinic. So like if a patient says to me or a potential new patient says like, yeah, I quit going to them because they didn't spend any time with me. They barely they were in and out of the room. Now, I'm a high volume doc and granted, I might spend between three, four minutes with a patient if they don't have something more like pressing that we need to do. If it's just like a, hey, I saw you last week. Anything new? Great. Let me get to work on clearing your nervous system. And then it's like, okay, cool. See you next week. That's three to four minutes. So I might get really guarded with a new patient if that's what they're saying. I won't... I won't not take them on just for that one thing. But like if there's lots of these little red flags, what I do is I set my clipboard aside. It's actually an iPad, but I set it aside and I go, 
let me explain a couple different types of chiropractors. And I then explain um, the model of chiropractic that's very pain reactive. This tends to give the patients the power of when they need to be seen, how they need to be seen, what their treatment needs to look like that day. And I'm very clear to be like, we have plenty of amazing chiropractors in this town that I refer to regularly who practice that way. I am so grateful for them. We then, and then I start to make us sound, I don't want to say a little worse, than normal but like we we do like contracts we do three four month contracts we don't submit to insurance we so i will say something like now we do not practice that way our average new patient needs between 36 to 50 visits um those visits if we're you know like we do not process insurance so you would need to pay out of pocket and i can't guarantee your insurance would cover you at all now if this doesn't sound like something that you're excited about because honestly like who would be excited about that i've just told them that they're going to need to come a bunch and pay a bunch of money out of pocket i completely understand i haven't even touched you today or done an exam um this just seems like it might not be the greatest fit for what you're looking but i there is a chiropractor in town who i do think would be awesome would you rather go that way and so I kind of give them this major Heisman of like, look, line in the sand. This is how it's going to be if you want to be here. And I do it very nice. Um, but if you, that doesn't sound appealing to you, because I've pretty much tried to make it sound very rigid and like you will comply with how our practice goes. If that doesn't sound appealing, hey, we can just say goodbye now. No harm, no foul. And I will say it's pretty splitsy. Um, if somebody was being a jerk, almost always they go like, oh, no, I'm I'm OK with that. Let's let's see. Um, and sometimes they're just honest and they're like, I just don't think that I have I can't commit to that amount of time or whatever the reason being. Um, and they're not mad. They're very thankful, especially since I'm not charging them for exam. That's a really nice way that they don't get mad at you if you're like, you know what? I haven't even touched you. You've spent 20 minutes with them probably at this point, but you're like, for me, this is my personal decision. I'm just like, I just, I don't think you're going to be happy here because we're just going to like keep asking, you know? So that's, um, that's how we handle it on like day one or day two. Day two is basically the same thing of just like very laying out, like, this is what we do. We don't, you know, we don't spend a lot of times in between the scans. I'll say, like, your adjustments on a week-to-week -week basis, you know, as we're seeing you three times a week, we're not going to be sitting and talking for 10 minutes. We schedule that time at the end of 12 visits when we do a rescan. And so really just making sure that if I'm like, I don't know that I want this, I let them know right away. This is how it's going to be. Now, for you, Holland, you're in it a little bit. <laughs> so you can't just after two months, necessarily um, be all like, oh, rigid. This is how it's going to be if you want care here, because you've kind of already let her abuse you. Um, so what I would say is if you would be okay with keeping her but totally okay if she quits. Um, you need to have an honest, kind conversation with her. Now here, again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't think you need to have the three lawyers, or not lawyers, the three chiropractors and their numbers like already printed and ready for her because your intention isn't to go in to necessarily quit. It's to go in and say like, hey, we need to talk about care going forward because, um, the way that I've been doctoring you isn't working for me or the procedures and flow of the clinic. So what's nice, well, honestly, I own the business and I even still blame my clinic. <laughs> like I get to kind of be like the, oh my gosh, I would love to spend an hour with every patient every day. Unfortunately, my boss or the front desk would get on my ass because we would have like a three week waiting list. And that's not even for new patients. If I spent this amount of time with everybody, if you 
slipped and needed kind of an urgent patient, I might not be able to get you in for two weeks. And so really making sure that this conversation is not about you being like, this is not where you're being like, you're crossing my boundaries. This is a bigger conversation of like, I'd love to be able to be everything that you need, but I cannot. Um, so I would love to be able to keep being your doctor, but going forward, here's some things that, you know, in order for me to not get in trouble with the front desk or however you want to put this, like, these are some of the guidelines that, you know, or systems and procedures that we have to make sure we are complying with as a clinic in order for the other patients to also have access to me and for you to have access to me. So, you know, talk to her about the appointment time. Be like, okay, so we've talked to you in the past about appointment times and how we book for 15 minutes. It's so great that you book long enough that you can even say that. Like, I could not say that to a patient. Like, I couldn't be like, so we book three-minute appointments. Like, they would just be like, holy shit, what kind of doctor are you? would be like, no, it works out. Trust me. You'll be happy. Um, so you, but saying, like, we reserve 15 minutes and we bill in those chunks. I am able to work on X number of conditions or joints within that time you know, one to two complaints or one to two main aggravates or like whatever you want to say of like knowing myself, say like this isn't about you. I just know from treating other patients that I can only accomplish so much in that time. And it's usually the top two things that are bothering the patient that day. Um, and then, you know, that sets her right away. Like you don't want to bombard her. You're going to be prone to talking in circles and saying too much because you have boundary issues and you want her to like you. So, you, But here's what is necessary. If she's going to stay at your clinic, you need to be kind but decisive. Like, going forward, we are going to book you a 15-minute segment or appointment just like everyone else. We're going to go ahead and keep it at that price, but during that time, you're going to need to pick your top one to two concerns for me to focus on that day. Um, and then it sounds like she's really forcing your hand as the doctor of like she's deciding when things are done. Again, um, that that sucks. And we've all been there where it's like, no, I adjusted it. And like, you know, like I've adjusted a patient before and they're like, oh, now it's now it's a little sore. And then I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to send the patient out sore. And so you want to like, do all the things because you want them to feel amazing leaving the office so they think you're the greatest doctor ever. But you need to stand in your truth. You know that you can overstimulate the nervous system and it backfires. So um, I've given advice on this to like cosmetologists. So this kind of stays, this isn't just a chiropractic thing where it's like you, in order to get some of that power back of like, I say when we're done. Don't say that. Um, you say like, okay, so we agree. We're going to do 15 minute appointments like everyone else. And we're going to have to hit the top one to two concerns. If I have time for more, I'll let you know. But there's another thing that I need to address with you. And that's that I've been letting you be the doctor. And I think that's actually backfiring as to why you're not getting as much improvement from the care here or whatever. And you might need to kind of uh, encircle her in some of your science and knowledge of like, go ahead and use your fancy words of overstimulation of the parasympathetics and your polyvagal and your afferent activity and your efferent activity. Like, that's kind of one of my favorite ways to get back some of that power of like, hold on. I will tell you when your nervous system is clear. I will tell you when you've received enough care for the day is you have to well, you don't have to. One of the ways that I do it is and be still being kind is walking through through the science. But in this scenario, I don't really care if they followed me because they're just going to go like, whoa, that was that was a lot. OK, so you have this conversation of like, hey, you can throw your front desk under the bus if you want, like I said, or throw your doc. Tell them you're going to do that. But like, your front desk, this is true, they should be 
the ones in charge of like flow within your clinic. They should be the ones in charge of you not falling behind, patients not asking too much. Like the front desk is the guardians of the boundaries you set. Now, right now you don't have boundaries. And so the front desk is like, well, I, I don't know. She's been in there for an hour and 20 minutes. They don't think you, they, you want them to come in and interfere. They just think you're going to complain about it and be like, oh my gosh. And they, you know, but like you set the boundaries. They are the ones for making sure that when you're in doctor mode, that you're living up to those boundaries because we're terrible. We love our patients. And, you know, I have a couple patients that I have, um, I don't want to say bad boundaries with, but they're like, they've become kind of friends. And there are times that we get chatting and we're not even chatting about their physical pains. We're talking about, you know, non-chiropractic stuff. And the front desk doesn't like it because I get behind. And so I've told them like, hey, it's okay with this patient. If you need to knock on the door and go like, hey, just so you know, the waiting room's filling up. Like, because in this scenario, this patient wouldn't care. But like going forward, that might be what you're going to need to do. So you have this conversation. You're very, very kind. You end it with, I understand that that's maybe not what you were hoping for out of care here. And if you wanted to try care at another chiropractor, I completely understand. I don't want you to feel like you have to keep coming here. Um, if that's not what you feel like you signed up for as far as like, time and what you're paying for. But these are going to be some of the guidelines that I have to move forward um, respecting, not just because I'm respecting myself and the clinic, but I'm respecting you and the other patients. Again, bring it back to like, if I do this with you, I have to do it with other patients. And if I'm doing this with other patients, guess who's going to suffer? You, Sally, because you won't be able to get in when you want. Um, okay. So with, let's say that she says, that, let's say she gets a little upset, the good, which she could, she could get a little upset. In my experience, they're a little more shell-shocked of like, wait, are you kind of breaking up with me? But it feels like you're making me break up with you. Um, for the most part, they might get adjusted that day. You, you follow those boundaries that day. So like, if she's like, well, I don't really know, let's just get adjusted today and we'll see how it goes great. You keep that adjustment to 15 minutes. You keep it to one to two areas or whatever is going to work for you. And you go like, okay, that's all that we have time for today. And your nervous system is at a good stopping point. And that'll give her a taste of what future visits are going to be like. Um, and then if she comes back, your front desk needs to help you. You need to let the front desk know what you discussed with her. And let the front desk know that they are being asked or authorized to knock on the door and interrupt. Um, you know, it's hard because you're an associate. I'm the doc. I can say funny things like I always make the front desk the bad guy. You don't sign their paychecks, so they might not think that's as funny as mine do. I don't think they think it's funny. No, they they understand that. Like, I, I truly believe that they understand the doctor patient dynamic and then the business procedural flow dynamic and that sometimes those get blurry and somebody needs to step in and make sure that you're following. But another thing you can do with this patient if you want is you can require an appointment time. Like this is the fact that they're allowed to walk in is probably part of the reason that they're not viewing your time in like chunks of payment. Because if you say like, okay, or you have the front desk say like, okay, so we need to schedule your next appointment. You can go like, okay, we have you from 4.15 to 4.30. If you're a little late, just so you know, you'll have a little less time with the doc. But like that is going to continue to like remind that patient that they have 15 minutes with you. Now, if they had, you said sometimes you spend 30 minutes, like, you know, we got to think bigger scale here, love, like, you, it sounds like you're a fantastic doctor, but walk-in patients, when your appointments are 15 to 30 minutes, you are going to get capped at a certain number of patients per week. And I doubt it's going to be the number 
you want. It's probably not going to be high enough for your liking. So this isn't to say that anybody like we have appointments kind of, but we're very walk in like somebody could show up 45 minutes for their appointment. But we are, um, you know, strictly adjusting. Like, like I said, their appointments are shorter. So we have that variability a lot more so than like, how are you going to see 10 people in an afternoon if you're just if they're just going to walk in like and you spend 15 to 30 minutes? So got to think bigger long term and considering yourself. So going forward, not just from Sally, I hopefully, you know, Hopefully thing goes well with Sally. Um, if she if she breaks up with you, it doesn't trigger that shame and rejection nearly as much. Um, and if you phrase it right, it can really be like you're doing this for her. Um, if you've ever broken up with someone, use all of those tactics then. But going forward with your boundaries, you need to know your limits. You need to know your boundaries of where you're at as a doctor, um, intellectually, emotionally, what kind of services you are offer, what kind of services drain you, and how much time you like spending with a patient on average. Okay, if you think 15 minutes is too short, but 30 minutes is too long, boom, 20 minutes. There you go. That's your appointment time. I think it's ideal. Um, and then if a patient needs more, so let's say you've planned 20 minutes for a patient and you like this patient and you want to do more. That's what a follow-up visit is for. Like, you do not need to fix it all in one visit. Or you can say, you know what? I really want to do this therapy on you, but it takes more time than I have allocated today for this appointment. Um, so at your next appointment, tell the front desk to book a full 30 minutes with you. Okay, but you got to take a little charge of knowing your limits and what you can do. Also, know your value. This is so cheesy, but where we allow people to cross boundaries so often has to do with not feeling worthy enough to say no or stand our ground. Um, so understand that what you're doing, know the value of that adjustment. And I'm not talking monetarily. I'm talking about like in her healing. Trust it. Trust yourself. Trust the adjustment. Watch for triggers from patients going forward, those new patients, um, because you can't be wanting to quit chiropractic two years in. So you're going to need to start having boundaries around what patients you let into your clinic to be your patients. Um, going to need to be assertive. I don't know if you're assertive or not. And being assertive takes a lot of practice. You may not get this on the head. Okay, so let's say this goes terribly wrong. You plan on her breaking up with you. She gets mad. You're going to want to end it as nicely as possible and saying like, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Um, I don't think this is a good fit for you or I. You're assertive about it. And I will get you recommendations for another chiropractor. Um, legally, like she's just mad. She, she can't sue you for abandonment if like you have said this is not a fit I'm referring you here you're not getting the care you need I'm referring you here so there's really only so much smoke she can blow and consider yourself long term you can't be burning out um, you're gonna have to identify these patients faster and so like we have on our schedule I'm not saying you have to say no to all of them but we have, there's probably like 10 patients a week that are just not my favorite. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. They're old. Um, they like to complain. Uh, it doesn't mean I dislike them. It doesn't mean I want to fire them. But like, I know when I go in to care for them, like I have my emotional boundaries up. I don't let them in too much. I do what I'm there to do. I adjust what I, their system I send love into their system mentally through the adjustment and then I recommend their next visit and I kind of get in and out and guess what's going to happen if they are not getting their emotional needs met despite us not having that even if we don't have a conversation they're going to go find another chiropractor one that will talk to them for longer and oh my gosh side note on this whole 
where she says that her chiropractor in San Diego took the time to get to know her. Okay. So patients say the darndest things. Um, most of it is a little bit twisted for their benefit. So when I, I had a patient who was only seeing me and then saw one of my associates just like one time. And the next time I saw the patient, she said, oh, I really loved how Dr. Katie like massaged my muscles before my adjustment. And in my head, I'm thinking, what? We don't, we don't do massage. We're actually almost like have like a no massage policy amongst our doctors because if one person's like giving out soft tissue, it makes the rest of us look bad. So it's like, we've got like a 30 to 60 second <laughs> law on massage. So I'm like, oh, wow, really? Okay, well, I, I suppose I can do a little of that. So that patient got a little bit of soft tissue work out of me. So then I saw Katie and I'm like, Katie, what the heck? Why are you massaging so-and-so? You're making me look bad. And she just looked at me like, I absolutely did not massage her. I did what we normally do. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just kind of playing one against the other. It happens. So, you know, they kind of subconsciously know that if I say like, well, this person did this for me, you are much more likely to feel obligated. So I don't know what you're gonna do. Um, you know, like I said, you can just straight up sit down and give her some recommendations and say, I know, I do not think that this clinic is a good fit for your needs. Um, I'm referring you to these people. Or you can try this other way of trying to get her to break up with you, or you can try and keep her, but like restore boundaries. You have options, but don't expect this to go perfectly. Um, it takes, there's so many different pieces that could go wrong that you're going to learn from of like, but the thing that cannot happen is you cannot let her keep doing this to you. Do some boundary work. Do you have the conversation that you're going to have? She's going to forget about you literally a week after if she gets mad and quits care. She's going to find another chiropractor um, and you're going to do a better job of making sure that like this, you're not in this situation again. So, I hope that helps. Any of my patients listening or any non-chiropractors listening, I hope I said it over and over enough, like ultimately, we love you. That is why we went into this. But we're in this for the long term. We're in chiropractic until we die. And so the only way that you're going to continue keeping us as your chiropractor is that we establish these, these boundaries that we try. And it's not fun. Nobody likes saying no to somebody else. We wish we could make everybody happy. But it's a place of learning to put ourselves first so we can continue to serve. That's where everyone's going to really benefit. All right, crew. So until next week, I hope you go and have some some good conversations with some of those patients. I hope you figure out your boundaries and um, I'll talk to you later. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients, plus they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.